When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Dynasty's Child. I know people are listening to this for advice, but I... Sorry, I got nothing. Hosted by Keaton DeRocher. The field of dreams and the corn would be my chest hair. Featuring Shelly Verstraight. Bobby likes bouncy balls, doesn't he? And featuring Jordan Rosenblum. 30% more fish than I would have projected. And featuring Jake Devereaux. He has a very impressive package. Welcome to Dynasty's Child, episode 126, your flagship fantasy baseball podcast for the Dynasty Guru, helping Dynasty League owners one player at a time. I'm your host, Keaton DeRoche from the Dynasty Guru and Over the Monster. Today, joined, as always, by Shelly Restraint of TDG, Pitchers List, Photographs, Prospects 365, and Over the Monster, and Jake Devereaux of TDG, Over the Monster, and Fantrax. Shelly, how has your baking been going today, or this weekend, in general? <laughs> um... It's been um it's been going okay. Uh I we were talking before we started. Um I've I've had a morning <laughs> uh this morning. Um just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Um but I am baking a delightful uh delightful new cake hopefully if everything goes to plan. It's going to be um a lemon cake with like this lemony ricotta cheese filling and then some blueberry compote on top with a blueberry buttercream. So that should be good. That does sound good. Jake, what are you up to this weekend? Um, I'm dog-sitting, actually. That's uh, fun. So my sister-in-law has a uh, three-month-old English bulldog. Oh. And it is really, really cute, but um, a just startling amount of work. So... Um, and my dog is like two and a half and is a big girl and is no longer, uh, interested in the shenanigans of three month olds. So <laughs> the dynamic has been pretty hilarious. Great. Well, show rundown for today. Uh, we got a bunch of news and notes to get to. We recorded last week, so there's going to be a lot of, uh, some older stuff that we just need to get to, uh, including the, uh, trade deadline after we recorded from two weeks ago. A whole bunch of stuff happened, including the, the big Clevenger deal, so we'll get thoughts on that and such. And then after that, we'll get into uh, talking about some pitching prospects, since there has been a whole bunch of boys called up. We will uh, get some thoughts on just the state of pitching prospects and uh, how important those youngsters are to your fantasy team. So let's dive right on in. 
uh, some interesting news came out uh, recently about the envy draft for next year. Uh, it was originally supposed to be July 11th through the 13th, uh, and now it will, will be pushed back and be part of the All-Star festivities, which is kind of interesting. No word yet on how long it'll be, but we do know that it'll be longer than five rounds, so that's a plus. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out after all of this COVID stuff. Um, Chelly, I mean, is, do we have any other update on, on this, or, or what are you kind of expecting from the draft? Do you think it's smart to move it and like tie it into the All-Star game? Um. I, I do think that it's 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 a really good idea to kind of like move it um, to where it's not really competing like with any games because it's usually like on like a Monday or Tuesday in the middle of the season and there are games going on and then there's like this draft and so if they could put it you know in the All Star Week maybe it will be like its own thing so maybe it'll get a few more eyes. Um, I haven't really heard any update like about how many rounds um, that it's going to be, um, but maybe someone else knows something but I, I i do like that they they have moved it um and uh yeah yeah i um i heard that the draft is going to be 20 rounds oh nice and that huh. um it is going to be in the reverse order of the 2020 standings so um that was something that we as red sox fans were freaking out about um <laughs> since we all have pod casting duties over at OTM. So um, if your team sucked this year, it was not in vain. That's good. Thank God. And yes. there, that's whole, uh, I guess, like, just before we move on, it's all part of this um, one baseball initiative that baseball MLB is pushing. Um, so this offseason, in addition to changes to the draft, um, you will probably get a final plan on to what, MILB is going to do that's going to kind of come under the umbrella of Major League Baseball they're going to have 120 affiliates four per each team um, and then uh, they're also kind of excitingly for anybody who follows Indie Ball Indie Ball is probably going to be getting some um, StatCast tracking data from Major League Baseball and MLB will do Indie Ball stats so they'll be sort of loosely affiliated with the MLB um, and uh, I, I'm hearing that there could be some sort of relegation system too for uh, MILB stadiums that are not 100% up to par. Um, they have like three to five years to fix their facilities or indie ball teams with good facilities could potentially come into affiliated ball. Interesting. That is fun. Yeah. That'll be interesting to watch. <clears throat> Moving on to some more uh, news and notes. Uh, a whole bunch of folks activated from injuries for this home stretch of uh, the last couple weeks here of the Major League Baseball and your fantasy seasons. Uh, Charlie Morton has returned. Gleber Torres was activated. Madison Bumgarner was activated. Isan Diaz is returning to the Marlins after he had originally opted out of the 2020 season. Zach Burton was activated. Chris Bryant was activated. Twins activated. Buxton, Pineda, and Donaldson. Vogelbach was DFA'd again and then claimed by the Brewers. And Alex Wood was activated and will be in the bullpen for the Dodgers. Um, Jake, which one of those do you think is uh, the most important to a last-ditch fantasy run here in the last couple weeks? Um, Probably Charlie Morton, if he can be what we want him to be. Um, he hasn't looked like himself for the majority of the year. 
whether that's due to age or, you know, injury or whatever, um, maybe some combination of the both. But if Charlie Morton can show that he is the Charlie Morton that people drafted and were expecting, um, the ace version, uh, that's a huge game changer down the stretch, especially if you are someone who played in um, the uh, head-to-head style leagues that we're playing in a lot of, uh, Keaton, those ones where we have multiple matchups. So that could be a big boon down the down the stretch here. Charlie, how about you? Um, I, I, I kind of think that maybe Pineda might be something, uh, someone interesting um, because, you know, he has been out uh, uh, due to uh, uh, suspension um, and maybe you kind of forgot about him, but he, I think he's done like two games and he's looked pretty good. Um, I mean, Pineda is kind of uh, very up and down. Um, but I mean, he's looked pretty good. He should, you know, contribute in wins if that's, you know, part of your, uh, any of your fantasy categories. Um, so yeah, he, he might be someone who might be out there. I don't know. Um, might be someone interesting to help you, uh, get a championship. Those are both good. I was thinking pitcher too, but I'll go with Chris Bryant. Um, just because of the Cubs. At least their bullpen is pretty bad, so they kind of need to get some runs in there. Have him be effective. He's been kind of on and off uh, the past couple of years with injuries, but obviously, you know, he's one of the better players in the NL when he's healthy. And uh, they've got to sh- to kind of hold back the Cardinals and the Brewers here, so uh, we're gonna need some good performances from him. So I think he's the real life option there, and uh, by transitive property fantasy, as long as he's doing well. And it'll help your help your team out. Uh, anybody else that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about before we move on? Mm, mm, I don't think so. Cool. Signings and trades. Uh, so going back, about like ten days or so now, maybe a little more. Um, Padres finally finalized the Mike Clevenger deal. Uh, they acquired Mike Clevenger and Greg Allen and sent Joss Naylor, Cal Quantrill, Austin Hedges, and Gabriel Arias and Joey Quintanillo. Um, oh, and uh, infielder Owen Miller to Cleveland for big old Mike Clevenger. Um, Shelley, of the return to Cleveland, who interests you the most for fantasy purposes kind of making that move? Um... I, it's really for me. It's between I guess uh, two people, maybe three. Um, but I'm gonna go with uh, Joey Quintillo. Um I kind of liked what he was doing uh, with San Diego. Um, he doesn't really have that much um, of velocity, um, but he had picked up like a little bit um, last year. I think he got up to like the low 90s, maybe mid 90s. I'm not sure. But he did pick up like a few ticks um, of velo. Um, and he's a he's a six four lefty. Um, you know he has a, a good fastball and an amazing changeup. Like that is his, his you know his bread and butter is that changeup. And you know maybe he can work on a curveball. And especially with Cleveland and how they uh, here lately have been just able to just really develop pitching. Like this is a guy um, that um, I'm really really excited to see next year. Um, just maybe if there's like any other type of like pitch mix changes, um, any additional pitches that he might add or just kind of, you know, what's going on. Um, 
with, you know, him, you know, moving over to Cleveland. So I guess he is like the biggest guy for me, uh, for fantasy. Jake, how about you? Um, I, I really like Cantillo as well, but I think Gabriel Arias is maybe the guy I'm just a touch more interested in. Uh, shortstop, he's only 20 years old, um, was really good in high A last year, um, albeit he was playing in the Cal League for Lake El- Elsinore, um, where the ball kind of flies, but he hit seven, 17 home runs um, and batted 302 with a 339 OBP and a 470 slugging percentage. Um, I mean, that's extremely young for the level. So, uh, I was impressed by that. And, um, I don't know, I, I think with, uh, the history that, um, the Cleveland Indians have at developing these guys, um, they, they typically do a really good job. Uh, I'm encouraged that, um, you know, they can get something out of Arias and he can potentially be that Frankie Lindor replacement, uh, down the road. Man, I'm surprised no one went with Cal Quantrill. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of interested in him. Um, it definitely is going to be like for for next year, but it's like I don't know if the if if Cleveland thinks that he is a starter. I, I really hope that they they do uh, because he could be. I mean, he he was pretty good at the beginning of his San Diego run last year, so I I, I hope so. I hope something good happens with him yeah he was really good for like the first two-thirds of the season last year and then the last third of the season really kind of petered out and he got wrecked which kind of for a few starts which kind of dumped his overall line but just given what we've seen from cleveland recently like last five years and their ability to develop pitchers and how well uh contra's been doing in the bullpen this year for san diego um however they end up using him i think they're going to get a ton out of him and uh, I guess maybe I'm drinking the Cleveland Kool-Aid, but when they acquire a pitcher, it's kind of like the Astros from a couple of years ago, which, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily still true after everything that happened, but <laughs> like as soon as a pitcher went to the Astros and you went to pick him up, like Aaron Sanchez throwing a no-hitter uh, through the first like six or seven innings of his first start, uh, I'm kind of drinking that with Cleveland. So I think Quantrill is the most interesting to me, um, kind of, whichever way they do end up using him. So I was surprised. Anybody uh, pumped about Josh Naylor? I'm excited that he's going to get some more time. Uh, and Cleveland, like, man, they need some some outfield help for sure. So uh, he's not exactly the most athletic of outfielders, though, and they already have Fran Mil Reyes raking at the DH spot. So it's not, like, the most optimal fit, but... I think uh, Keaton, the player I was second most interested in, is Quantrill because of all the reasons you said as well. Great. Uh, Blue Jays made a bunch of moves. They acquired Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray, acquired Jonathan VR, acquired Ross Stripling. Which one of those, Shelley, are you the most interested in for fantasy there up in Toronto or Buffalo? <laughs> um... um... Uh, uh, no one really. I mean, cause I, I mean, I like VR. I mean, he's just going to give you speed, but, um, with, uh, Bo Bichette coming back, I think this weekend, I think he came back yesterday. Um, he, he's not, I don't know if he's going to have like an everyday spot, but you know, um, I mean, he's just, he's good for, you know, fantasy. I don't know if, 
how well in real life he actually is. But in the game we play, he's pretty good. Uh, Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling, I just, I know. I mean, Robbie Ray is just, he walks way too many people. And Ross Stripling just hasn't really looked good this year. So um, I'm really just not really excited about any of those players. Jake, how about you? I'm actually most excited about Taiwan Walker for the Blue Jays. Um, ah, yes. Who, who was uh, also acquired by them, um, and he's got a 2.95 ERA on the season. Uh, has changed his pitch mix drastically. Um, he's still way outperforming his FIP and his ex-FIP. Um, he's striking out less than a batter per nine and doesn't have the best strikeout minus walk rate. So it seems a little fluky, the performance, but... Um, the new pitch has certainly helped him limit hard contact a little bit more, uh, I think. So, um, certainly the exit velocities this year have been a lot lower for him. So, um, I'm a little encouraged and the hard hit rate for him is the lowest it's ever been. Um, but I'm not like all of a sudden thinking that Taiwan Walker has maybe fulfilled his promise of, you know, first round talent, but, um, yeah, he, he's looked pretty good. He's passed the eye test, too, when you watch him. That was a good one. I've forgotten that uh, that happened before. They got three new starters at the deadline. I mean, who- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Does that. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, I know there's, there's a lot of Robbie Ray hate on this podcast, but I'm a fan. Ugh. And I was hoping that a change of scenery was exactly what he was going to need. Uh, and then... He got kind of blown up in his first start there against the Red Sox, which is, uh, I mean, it's a good offense, at least. So maybe, I don't know. <laughs> if there's a pitcher that typifies, like, the type of pitcher that I hate more than anything else, it's Robbie Ray. He's, like, everything I despise in a pitcher. <laughs> and everything I love. So when the Red Sox sign him in the offseason, are we going to oh. have to have, like, an emergency uh, rant podcast? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I brought that up on one a couple weeks ago. I was like, I hope they do. And then Jake oh was like, dude, shut up. I'm going to mute you. <laughs> Shelly, uh, how do you feel about Robbie Ray? I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. All right. So I'll have to uh, call you on the bat phone to, to get on that rant podcast. Then. Exactly. <laughs> probably smart. <laughs> uh, the Athletics, um, probably with some nice East Coast bias, have, making uh, quite a quiet run. To a significant lead in uh, the AL West, They're only a game behind, uh, or half a game behind the race for the best record in the AL, uh, and they made a move. They acquired Mike Miner at the deadline. Um, Jake, what are your thoughts on that piece and uh, how that fits in for the Athletics and for fantasy? Um, I don't like Mike Miner right now. Uh, the, his stuff has been way off versus what it was last year. Um, 
the velocity is, has specifically been down and he's been way more hittable. So I actually don't think that's a very impactful move for down the stretch. Um, he's more insurance for me. The player that they acquired I'm much more interested in is Tommy Listella, who um, he's batting 276, 363, 441 this year with a 124 WRC+. Plus. Gives you super professional at bats. Um, he's striking out almost more, way more than double what he's uh, actually. He's, I mean, he's striking out less than half of what he's actually walking. His walk rate's eleven point eight percent, and his K rate's four point seven percent. So for me, that's the guy who I'm looking for. You look at his profile, and that's the type of guy you want taking at bats for you in the playoffs. A guy who can grind out at bats and work counts and uh I can I can already foresee the epic uh like nineteen pitch at bat that he's gonna have against somebody this postseason. <laughs> yeah, I um I really like that move as well. I mean uh prior to all of this, even though they did have like a really good record, like a lot of guys were struggling. I mean Matt Olson was struggling. Ramon Loriano, he was good at the start and ever since he came back from his suspension had looked kinda bad. And unfortunately, like this weekend, they lost Matt Chapman um, for the rest of the season. So that that really stinks. Um, so I really did like the uh, acquisition of uh, Listella, and I don't really think that they had to give up uh, too much to to get him. So yeah, that's a uh, it was a good pickup by them. And Miner has already moved to the bullpen too. He's uh, pitching in long relief for them now. That might be a good move for him. Yeah. What a fall from grace. Too bad he wasn't up for a contract last year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it was pretty quick, too. Yeah. Quick turnaround. <laughs> uh, by the way, did you guys, what was your prediction on the AL West this year? Did you guys have Oakland over Houston or Houston over Oakland? I had Houston and then Oakland as a wild card. I, th- I think I had Oakland over uh, Houston just because I was kind of afraid of Houston's pitching. And then it turned out much worse than I expected. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, Oakland over Houston as well. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that the A's have, have been as good as they've been. All right, so I think we've established on this podcast that I'm the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. It had to be someone. Uh, Todd Frazier headed back to the Mets. That just seemed very Metsy and hilarious. Um Seattle, in a pretty fun trade, acquired Taylor Trammell, Ty France, Luis Torrens, and Andres Munoz from the Padres for Austin Nola, Austin Adams, and Dan uh, Altavia. Altavia? Altavia, yeah. There we go. Nailed it. Um, this was a fun one for both teams. I still really like Taylor Trammell. It's interesting that he keeps bouncing around. And Jake, I, th- I think you were part of a little thread on Twitter about uh, how teams are excited about Tramel until they get him on their team. I think someone sent like you and Eric Ross a question, or I could be making that up because it was like two weeks ago. But um, what are your thoughts on Tramel and making another move? Um, I think Tramel could still be a decent player. Um, the concerns with him have just kind of remained the same, the hit tool concerns. But, you know, in, in terms of, Everything else that he brings on the baseball field, the rest of the package looks pretty damn good. Um, and he seems like a really solid teammate in person. So hopefully, um, you know, he will work out. I, I do think that 
the overwhelming response that I saw on Twitter uh, was that the prospect community is really down on Tramiel. Um And this deal looked a lot more lopsided than a lot of people who are who follow prospects super closely uh, actually think that it is. So I'm not 100% positive that Seattle's um, like really won this trade. I think it's actually a really great trade for both teams because the Padres get a ton of present value for a bunch of guys who could be kind of lottery tickets and, you know, they could all pan out, but, you know, could also end up with nothing from this deal. Ty France is another interesting piece, Shelly. Do you have any Ty France thoughts? He's currently uh, as an 11.44 OPS since joining Seattle. <laughs> well, that's that that that's pretty good. Uh, uh yeah, I, he had a like a really really um you know really really good season um in AAA last year. I mean, he hit almost he hit 3.99, like uh, so close to 400. That would have been awesome. But he had like just an amazing um season and he's you know pretty much hit everywhere he's gone uh but he did kind of struggle um during his like first call up last year um but uh yeah I mean I really like it for him because I don't really think that he was really going to get really much of any playing time in San Diego um so now he moves over to Seattle and he's going to get like everyday ABs and the dude's just like you know he can just hit and that's kind of you know kind of what Seattle needs. So um, I like that pickup. Rance is super interesting. I know a lot of people are really into him. Um, and I've been really slow to come around, but a lot of people I trust are really into him. So I might be just having a total blind spot with Ty France. I think he's worthy of an investment. Well, I think what was it, what's interesting to note from me just kind of scouting the stat line here <clears throat> but um he's almost walking as much as he's striking out in his small sample size so far with seattle which is really interesting he's up to his obp um about 80 points um i mean i guess both of them are small samples so um but he has enough of a track record that i think that there's pro- i mean he's probably not gonna hit 379 there's probably some regression due there but just his ability to get on base uh, is exciting and worth taking a looking into for your fantasy team. Um, do either of you guys have any thoughts on Munoz, on what his role might be and if he's worth stashing? Um, I'm not sure when he's going to be coming back because I think he had TJ like at the beginning of this year. So he's probably not going to come back until April-ish of next year. Um, the dude throws just like extremely hard, and I was like really excited. I thought that he was going to be the uh, closer of the future for the uh, Padres because uh, I didn't um, really believe in Kirby Yates. Um, but you know, he broke before. I guess he broke before Kirby Yates broke. Um, but um, I don't know if I would really 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 want to invest in a dynasty league unless it's like super deep because you don't really want to invest in relievers especially ones coming off dj but i i I hope that he comes back uh next year and is you know firing you know 100 mile per hour foul spells again 
Yeah, I agree with Shelly. He's he's interesting, but you know, not somebody that I'm holding in uh, all but the deepest of leagues. I have him stashed on my uh, IL in TDGX two. Yeah, the Padres closer position was kind of like poison, right? Just Munoz went down, Yates went down, and then Pagan went down. He was just recently activated. Um, do you have any thoughts on the San Diego closer situation now with Pagan back? I still think that um, it's going to be Rosenthal. Yeah. Yeah. feel pretty confident about that. Forgot that Rosenthal was there. He's having a great year. Yeah. Good a little fly ball heavy, but, you know. What you gonna do? Uh, another big one. Miami acquired Starling Marte from the Diamondbacks for Caleb Smith, Humberto Mejia, and a player to be named later, which is uh, reportedly Julio Frias. Um, interesting move for Miami. Um, Shelly, do you, are you excited about Marte in Miami now? Or more or less excited about Marte in Miami than San Diego or, uh, Arizona? Um, I actually like him better in Miami because the Diamondbacks um, offense is atrocious. Uh, they just really, honestly, they just couldn't really get anything going. I mean, uh, Cattell Marte, uh, before he got hurt, was, you know, hitting for a good average, but he didn't really have much power. Um, the only guy who was really doing anything was uh, Starling. So, you know, moving over to Miami, um, I, I think that their offense is just a, a bit better. Um, and he's been hitting, like, really, really well for the Marlins. Um, so I like it. And then I'm sure that they're going to pick up um, his um, option for next year, especially if they traded a, you know, a, a Caleb Smith um, for him. Um, so if going into next year, that should be really fun, too. Um, the, the Marlins are actually starting to become a fun team to watch. I mean, their pitching is really good. Um, and then their offense, like they're bringing up some of their, uh, some of their prospects. Um, and then they got Starling Marte. It's, it's, the Marlins are fun to watch. Jake, you agree? Yeah, I think Shelly nailed it with that one. I think the Marlins are very interesting and love the addition. So yeah, I, I don't have much to add there. I, I fully agree with her. Great. And the last one, last, uh, Trade line thing. Uh, the Reds acquired Archie Bradley from the Dime <clears throat> excuse me. From the Diamondbacks for infielder Josh Van Meter and Stuart Fairchild. Um Rizel Iglesias has struggled the past two seasons. Uh CRA is currently over four as we sit. Archie Bradley's been a little bit better, but it appears Iglesias for now is gonna continue to hold on to that closer role. Um do you guys think he will hold it the rest of the way here, or do you think they eventually kind of turn to Bradley? I think they'll they'll keep it with the Iglesias. Yeah, I think so too. Um, they as much as Iglesias has stunk up, up the bed the past two to three years, he does just well enough to just hold on. And I just don't think that they're going to move on. Like they haven't really, even when he has gone bad, they haven't really looked at anyone else, especially because I mean, I've I've always liked like Amir Garrett, like I and Mike Michael Lorenzen. Uh, prior to this year, he's kind of struggling a little bit. Like I like those guys, and I thought they would be kind of like closer material, but they always just stick with Iglesias. So, unfortunately, um, I think uh, Bradley's just going to be you know the eighth inning guy. I also don't think Bradley is that good. Like, 
He's okay, but I don't. I watch him pitch, and I'm just like, yeah, this is a this is just a guy, you know. He's nothing super exciting. Yeah, and the Diamondbacks like never really, really felt like it. They really wanted to give him the job. They always like tried to, uh, you know, sign someone else, but then they always just kind of fell back to Bradley at some point. So that kind of means something. Remember when he was a stud prospect and he was going to be like the next ace? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was a thing for a long time. Pitching prospects, man. Yeah. Can't trust them. And we'll get to talk about more of them in a bit. Woo! What a, what a great tease, Jake. You're a pro. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, some fun call-ups uh, and such since we last spoke. Jazz Chisholm got the call. Uh, Shelly and my uh, boy, Brian Hayes, got the call. Launched a nice homer. Luis Campusano got called up, and I believe he also launched a nice homer. Clark Schmidt got called up. Those are some four fun ones. Uh, Shelly, would you like to pick a particular one to give up some, some words on? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to go talk about, uh, Cabrian Hayes. I, I just, I just love the dude. I, I know that, uh, uh, there are some people who don't like him as much. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be like an all-star or anything, but that glove is just going to keep him in the everyday, uh, just playing every day because I mean, this is like Matt Chapman, Nolan Renato level of defense over there on the hot corner and uh he can hit i mean he's a really good hitter i don't know about how much power that he's gonna have but i do think there's gonna be like double digit power probably more doubles power as opposed to home runs um but i i just the dude can just like flat out hit and i just love him and uh i mean so far in nine games he's you know hit a home run he's stolen a base and he's hitting 344 so Take that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's some exciting stuff. I I completely agree, and particularly in the short term, um, his defense and how bad the Pirates are, he's going to get so much playing time. And he's figured out how to hit at every level, so I imagine the same thing is going to hold true here for the major leagues. His strikeout rate um, is a bit out of whack with his numbers all throughout the minors, so I expect that to kind of drop down. Um, expect there's also going to be some regression in that average. I don't know if 344 is really <laughs> sustainable for him, but um, like high 200s, sure. Yeah. Some some nice strikeouts, being able to draw some walks. He's going to be a fun player. Jake, uh, would you like to talk about one of the others? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
or why don't we just go through them all? Just pick, just pick one. <laughs> sure. Uh, just a, a quick note on Hayes. I agree with you guys too. Um, and the comp that I made to Hayes is lack of power in the minor leagues on five tool pod this past week was that, um, you know, he kind of reminds me of Josh Bell. Remember when Josh Bell came up and he was like all hit tool, no power. Um, and then that developed for him later. I have some hope that Hayes can do the same thing, but I, also think Hayes might even be starting from a point that's a little bit further ahead in terms of hit tool. So I really like him. Um, of the others, I guess I'll talk about Campusano and Clark Schmidt real quick just to warn people against them. Um, Campusano jumps into a super, uh, super competitive timeshare with a ton of different catching options between Jason Castro and Nola, who they just acquired, and Campisano um, being a catcher is going to take some development time and you know hasn't actually spent much time in the high minors at all. So I'm not expecting anything from him um, right now. That's still somebody that you should be looking, at, in my opinion, to trade because I think that his value right now is about as high as it's ever going to be. And with catching prospects, um, few of them ever fulfill the promise that their prospect stock uh, tells you that they're going to have. And with Clark Schmidt, um, I like him, but I'm also the one of the lower people on him. I actually like his teammate, Davey Garcia, quite a bit better. I think Garcia's repertoire is more suited to starting, and he's ready to go. Clark Schmidt, I think... Uh, has good stuff, but might struggle to find it in a starter's role. And, um, you know, long term, uh, if you have someone in your league who really believes in him, I would try and move him right now, too, because this is kind of the area when these guys' values are the highest, when they're before they've got a lot of, uh, you know, book out on them, um, before people start picking them apart at the major league level is when you should trade guys like this. And, I like Schmidt, but I don't think that he has ace-type upside. Uh, so I'd, I'd trade both of those guys. Yeah, I saw this is another thing from, uh, I believe Eric Cross is heavily in the Clark Schmidt camp. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually in the Luis Gill camp. I think he's going to end up being better than both. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I think I'm, I'm with you there on, on Schmidt. I'm not super high on that. Um Shall I, do you have any Schmidt takes? Are you in agreement, or are you uh, are you high on him? Uh, I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm like in the middle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's an option too. Um, but I do like him over Garcia. I mean, I've watched all of Garcia's uh, starts, and while he has looked good, I I just I just remember seeing him a couple times in the minors. Um, the dude, when he loses it, it goes really bad, and he's just gonna like walk way too many people. And that scares me because there's a longer track record of him um, just really not having the the command that you really, really, really want. And just, and again, I hate to harp on the how small he is, but if you watch him, it's he's crazy small. And I just don't know how long that's going to hold up. But I don't know, maybe for like the rest of this year, um, enjoy it. But I, I would actually reiterate Garcia and keep Schmidt. Fair assessments. Yeah, I agree. That's it's a very fair uh, criticism of five nine Davey Garcia. Either of you guys have thoughts on Jazz Chisholm? Just to round it all out. I like him more than I should like a player with his profile. 
based on like you know the the type of player that I usually like. Uh, he does have a lot of swing and miss, but I feel like he's such an amazing athlete that um, he will eventually turn into a fantasy player really worth owning. That being said, if you're looking for present value, I think he is going to be someone who sees his stock absolutely crater um, when while he struggles to become the player he's going to be, um, and then he'll eventually recover his value. So if you're looking to acquire him, don't right now because the price is going to go way down. Um, but if you have him, sell him. Interesting. Alrighty, uh, those were all the notable call-ups recently. Uh, we'll go through some injuries here relatively quickly. Um, and you guys can just kind of let me know if you want to talk about one. Uh, Justin Turner, uh, got put on the DL. Edwin Rios recalled, one of my faves. Love to see him get some consistent playing time. Uh, Will Myers on the 10-day DL. Emilio Gan talked about him earlier. Yandy Diaz. And Nate Lau called back up. Low Lau. I forget which one is which. Every time we have to talk about him, it's um, low. Great, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Fletcher, the ten-day IL left ankle sprain. One of Jake's boys, Jose Altuve, day to day getting an MRI on his knee. Max Kepler, ten-day injured list due to a left abductor strain. And uh, Brent Rooker was recalled from the alternate site there for Minnesota. Alex Cobb placed on the IL. Gio Urshela, another Yankee going down. Jonathan Loiza, John Gray, Anthony Santander. is having a nice little season for himself on the 10-day IL for Baltimore. Andrew Benatendi likely not to return this season. And Jacoby Jones out for the rest of the season with a fractured left hand. Any of those stand out to you? Um, for me, it's, uh, Santander. Um, I, I really am, I'm a believer in him. I don't, I don't think this is like a short, uh, sample size kind of thing. Um, he was playing pretty well last year and he just like totally went off. Um, I would actually look, um, I would really would love to have him in like a dynasty league. Cause I think that he's just really just going to be just one of like those really good, you know, third outfielder type that you just kind of need to like fill out your team. Um, and Baltimore has been able to hit this year and I'm, I'm hoping that they'll be able to hit next year. And I'm just, I'm just a big believer in him. I was really, really just impressed with all of the ABs I saw. Jake, you have any thoughts on these fellas? Yeah, I have some thoughts on Max Kepler. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have some thoughts about that. I don't know what to think about Max <laughs> Kepler. Uh, 100%. Uh, he's been really good over the last 162 games that he's played. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but circulating on Twitter, if you just put into the Twitter machine, a search for Max Kepler and go to most recent, there's a lot of, uh, comparing his last 162 games to that of Aaron Judge and uh, comparing favorably to Aaron Judge in terms of counting stats and, you know, a few other things. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a huge oversimplification. But looking at him, I want to like him a lot more than I do. Um, you know, he's got super strong walk rate, doesn't strike out a lot, has a bunch of power. But his BABIPs 
have consistently been atrocious. Um, and, you know, a lot of that I think is fueled by maybe not ideal contact, but I haven't dug into exactly what he's doing because he's not like grounding the ball into the ground all the time. Um, but there's definitely something there with his Babips, and I'm not sure if he is ever going to be able to correct that. Um, and he doesn't have crazy high exit velocities, but whatever. I'm getting off on a tangent here. Sorry. Um, Max Kepler is coming back from the IL apparently today um, from this 10-day thing that he had. A lot of people may have dropped him, especially because he's hitting 220. But he's been a really good source of power and decent source of speed. And he hits in an important lineup spot. So I would go ahead and add him wherever he is available because I, the Twins have a lot of important baseball to play uh, over the, the next two weeks. And uh, I have confidence that he will uh, deliver if healthy. Yeah, I've always been like uh, really confused with, with Kepler, especially... Um, with the amount of power that he put up last year, but it was uh, it was all the twins last year. It was definitely like their hitting coach um, who moved to uh, who are is now with the Marlins um, now. Uh, basically, they just all started pulling fly balls. Like if you just go and look at just all the twins from last year, uh, they just like just just started just pulling fly balls, and that's you know that's kind of good, especially if you could just you know, just hit it over the wall there. And it's just, it, it, his, his pool percentage has gone back down to where it was. So I don't know. He's, he's really confusing. Um, I wish I had him like on a team or something, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you, Jake. He's confusing. Do either of you have a theory as to why his BABIPs are so consistently low? Cause Lots I, of fly balls. I, I mean, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But wouldn't you expect um, ground balls to make his bad bit lower? Or is it just so many fly balls? Yeah, because I think, like, it, I guess it depends on, like, what type of, like, fly ball you got. I mean, if it's, like, a right. can of corn, that's, like, an easy out. But if it's, maybe if he hit more, like, line drives, um, he only hits about, he's hitting about... 19% line drives. I don't know if that's good or bad. I haven't really looked into it. Um, Ooh, those infield fly balls, though. You're right. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, those are super high. Yeah. Ooh. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. The, I wonder if he's the highest in the entire league in infield fly balls. That's shocking. 13.3%. That's insane. Yeah. It's pretty significant. Wow. I want to start um, not doing that, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all righty. That'll do it for all the news and notes. We spent like 45 minutes on that. So I feel like that's, that's enough. Uh, let's talk about some fun pitching prospects. Uh, I guess one quirk about this weird season is that we're getting to see a whole bunch of guys make their major league debut, including exciting guys like Sixto Sanchez, Dane Dunning, Tristan McKenzie, Luis Patino, Spencer Howard. Casey Mize, Nate Pearson, Ian Anderson, Tariq Skubal, and so many more. But uh, that impacts our fantasy uh, play because all of those guys are great and probably owned. So um, might as well just kind of talk about as many of them as we can here. Um, 
Chella, let's start with you. Do you want to pick one of the guys to talk about and whether you're believing the hype or uh, guys that are struggling, if you're uh, buying into their struggles or selling their struggles or whatnot, and just kind of the value of these these young fellas getting some time. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess the first guy I want to talk about is um, Dane Dunning. Um, I had kind of like liked him. Like he didn't spend like too much time um, with with the Nationals uh, before he was traded in the um, Adam Eaton deal. Um, but I mean, I've always kind of liked him. I kind of like kept my eye out, um, just kind of watching him. Um, and he, you know, was doing pretty well before, you know, the whole TJ thing. And unfortunately he missed all of last year because of that. And to see him perform so well after, you know, not pitching above double A and that was in 2018. Um, I don't know. I've, I've just like really liked what I've what I've seen, um, I like just just watching him. I, I, his slider is like really really good, um, and just watching him, I just he just looks like a really good pitcher. I mean, no, he's not going to be like an ace caliber, but a good two or three. Um, I like it, um, and at least for right now, um, he pitches in the central, which is you know a pretty uh, cupcake type of schedule. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just really like him. And I'm trying not to look at his game logs because he's only pitched against the Tigers, the uh, Kansas City twice and Pittsburgh. I'm hoping that I'm just not just, you know, seeing him just go up against not really great offenses. But that's okay. I, I, I've liked the pitches, not necessarily. <laughs> so I guess, uh, yeah, that, that was my guy that um, I've been maybe not most impressed with, but the guy who I, I like a lot. Jake, how about you? Who's uh, who's someone's hype that you're buying? Well, um, I do like Dunning, um, but Sixto Sanchez is the guy whose hype I'm really buying. Um, this is a profile of pitcher that I really like someone with a very strong fastball, 65 grade fastball, um, excellent changeup. I mean, 60 to 70 changeup, um, depending on the day, um, in a slider that he can mix in at times. Um, he's been doing that effectively. He's actually been mixing in not only a slider, but a curveball um, since he's been up and the results have been just unbelievably good. Um, Sixto has, dominated uh, to a 1.80 ERA. Um, He's not walking anybody, which is a hallmark of him throughout the minor leagues. He looks very healthy. Um, I have him... So I did my Dynasty starting pitcher rankings this past week at Fantrax, and I separated out all of the prospects that I ranked in my top 100, and I ended up ranking 38 prospects in my top 100 pitching uh, ranks. And I had Sixto as my number four prospect behind Mackenzie Gore, Jesus Lazardo, Dustin May, and then it was him. And I had him above guys like Patino, Tariq Skubal, Matt Manning, Nate Pearson, Casey Mize, um, all those guys because his stuff is just so advanced right now. Um, you know, I think the ceilings might be higher for a couple of the guys behind him, but Maybe not either. The command that he has is something that you hope that some of the guys behind him can eventually develop. 
And the issue has always been like the changeup has been the only out pitch for him because the fastball generates a lot of ground balls. Um, but I think now that he's using two other secondaries uh, in not insignificant amount, it ups um, what he can do. And if he can induce ground balls with that heavy sinker, that fastball, um, and then strike guys out with that change up and the ability to move uh, his fastball around the zone and kind of manipulate the quality of contact, um, I'm just loving everything about Sixto. I'm buying. Uh, I hope that I can get some shares somewhere, and I'm regretting all the shares that I had sold right now. Yeah, he's been super electric. He's a, he's a guy that I've liked, too. Uh, my guy who is hype I'm buying, though, is Tristan McKenzie, uh, who we talked about on a previous pod. But I just I look, this this is kind of the, the, the profile that I like, is just a guy that strikes out a whole bunch of people. Uh, normally that comes with super walk issues, but that's not the case with McKenzie. Throughout his entire minor league uh, run here up to the Indians, he's never had a walk per nine over three. Um, really like over 2.9. So he just doesn't walk people. Always had double-digit strikeout rates, which, um, I mean, this is kind of like the textbook profile for a Cleveland success story out of a pitcher. Um, guy that doesn't walk people is going to generate a bunch of strikeouts. He's already ahead of like guys like Plesak, though, because Plesak came up to the majors and he wasn't really known for a strikeout guy, and now he's striking out about an inning. Um, well, McKenzie is already better than that, so just kind of imagining what the, the Indians are going to be able to do. His biggest detractor, though, is uh, Chris Sale, who we all believe to be quite skinny, is uh, 6'6", 180 pounds. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is 6'5", 160 pounds. He is very small, and he's already having uh, back issues, which is not great for tall pitchers, and even less so for tall pitchers that throw hard and are only 160 pounds. So... His frame is going to be an issue and probably why a lot of people are going to run from him. But his stuff is so good that it's just worth the risk, in my opinion. And uh, he did miss all of 2019 with those back issues. But now, obviously, he's back. Um, Excel that the alternate training site was called up when all of that fiasco with Clevenger and Plesak happened. And I imagine now he's not going anywhere because he's just really good. So, McKenzie's the hype that I'm buying. I like that he... Um also has basically come back from you know being injured all of last year and the knock on him was that he was a two-pitch guy and he has come up and shown us four pitches which is just massive the spending that year injured uh, developing new offerings and being comfortable throwing them has really changed his whole outlook and I went from not having him in my top 100 to having him well in my top 100 and one spot ahead of Dane Dunning, actually. So I really like him now. Yeah, I, I, I like him as well. But the the one thing that does uh, concern me is his fastball was hitting 94 in his first start. And by his fourth start, so his most recent start, it was down to 92. Oof. Yeah, so that that's uh, a little bit concerning and definitely something that I will continue to watch. Um, but dude, the dude is really fun to watch. Like he absolutely like his debut 
Uh, it hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk to me. I, because, I mean, he was out for a year. I w- was not expecting what I saw, and I was very impressed. So I, I hope that those, you know, two, you know, missing ticks or two lost ticks um, isn't like an injury or, or something. Um, but uh, he is, he is really fun to watch. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I mean, I would, I guess you kind of have to take each one of those situations on its own um, when evaluating it. And I think there's something to say about him missing all of last year. Then the late start this year, no actual minor league instruction and games played. And then he's thrown into the major leagues after, um, not having pitched in the minors for like a year and a half. Um, I imagine his stamina is not built up at all <laughs> in the slightest right now. Um, so he's, it's probably, I guess I would tend to, or at least I'm going to, I'm going to hope with you that it's more of like just fatigue in his circumstances <laughs> than uh, an injury or something, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, is there any of these guys that you are selling the hype? Um, if, or I guess just not as bullish. <laughs> um, if you could, uh, sell Nate Pearson, I would. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm afraid like with this injury, you probably can't, I mean, unless someone is still a believer. I, 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 this, this type of guy kind of scares me. Like the ones that have like a lot of, of velocity and he yeah he's had injury issues and some of them were like fluky i mean he got hit in the arm and all this stuff but it's just like i i don't know it just i'm afraid that guys like this um are going to break um and he, maybe he is broken uh, but i i would try to sell neat pearson that's the, the same same guy that i would sell i never, never really bought into the hype on pearson i think we talked about this at the end of last season with uh with Jordan on a pod that I just didn't see it. He just seemed like a guy that was going to be uh, sent to the bullpen. He throws really hard. Um, he hadn't really done much with his secondary pitches and was kind of like still tinkering on them. Uh, obviously he's been like fast tracked the majors here um, just in a couple of years, but I never really full on it fully bought into the hype. Um, and although it's a very small sample size, the, uh, it seems like he has to make more adjustments to be more successful here at the major league level. So that's, that's the same guy that I would sell there too. I would probably um, look to sell two guys that I'm a little bit lower on than consensus. Um, Casey Mize and Spencer Howard. Um, I have Mize is my ninth ranked pitching prospect and I have Howard as my 16th. Um, and I think my ranking of both of those guys is significantly lower than the industry on them. Um, I have Mize behind his teammates, Tariq Skubal and Matt Manning. Um, and I have Spencer Howard behind Ian Anderson and George Kirby and Asa Lacey and Logan Gilbert and guys like that. Um, 
And the biggest thing with Mize is just that, you know, like Shelly has said a million times, it's the injury history that just scares the hell out of me. And he's billed as this completely finished, refined pitching prospect who, you know, probably should have just been drafted and gone like straight to the majors because that's how good his splitter was and how well his um, pitch sequencing was and in all this stuff that you look for for like you know veteran pitchers that was already there when he was drafted but since then the stuff has kind of ticked down a little bit and uh, we've seen him struggle uh, at the major league level and uh, the pinpoint command hasn't been quite as good as you know it, it could be and the fastball has been a little bit more hittable um, so I am I don't have any shares of Mize and if I did I'd be trying to capitalize on his value still being high. And then Spencer Howard had some command issues when he was in the low minors, and those have really come into play at the major league level. I think the stuff is still pretty good here, but this kind of goes back to um, trusting the organizations. And I I talk about this all the time, but uh, Ian Anderson is a guy who I trusted the organization in a positive way. I was like, he's a Braves pitcher. He's going to figure it out the command issues are being overblown and sure enough he's looked really good at the major league level and the opposite was true of Spencer Howard who Philly has been pretty damn awful at developing pitchers and we've seen those issues only get worse at the major league level so um, those are two guys I'm just not too into I dig it Shelly you were you were very vocal in support of Spencer Howard on this podcast several times do you uh do you care for a rebuttal or are you kind of uh, sliding over Jake's way now? Um, no, I mean, Jake makes like, excellent points. Like I, I do not like Philly's prospects whatsoever. Um, and I actually was really, really down on Howard prior to me, prior to this off season when I caught like a few of his games on MILB and he actually had like that, that change up was just, just unhittable. Like the, the, the few, uh instances that i i got to you know a few, few games that i saw so i mean i started to like to to, to buy in um and i was like okay maybe that there is there's one philly that can come through <laughs> and actually it actually be something and i still think that he still can be something um i i he has not looked good so far um I'm still a fan. I'm just not as much as a fan as I was. I'm like, maybe I should have just like kind of trusted my gut and said no to like all Phillies pitchers uh, and just really Phillies prospects in general. Um, so, I mean, I am, I am still a fan. I've just have come down just, just, just a tad. All right. Sounds like a polite way of saying you're full of it, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, we'll finish off with a philosophical question about pitching in fantasy. And how important is it, Jake, for you to have a young ace or uh, two on your fantasy team um, versus some of the more reliable olds? Um, just to, I just, I guess, talk about how you build a dynasty pitching staff. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's important necessarily to me to have a young ace um although it is a really big luxury and i think you can win without one 
but I think it makes winning and building your team so much easier if you do have one. Um, and I talked a lot about my dynasty philosophy when it comes to um, picking up pitching prospects in the last edition of my uh, starting pitcher dynasty rankings that went out Friday. Um, and basically what I said is that the reason why there is 38 pitching prospects on this list of my top 100 dynasty pitcher rankings is because to me in dynasty leagues, mediocrity in terms of pitchers just really doesn't matter that much. And you're always going to, in whatever league you play in, especially, you know, if it's a more shallow format, you're always going to be able to find guys who produce at an average to slightly above average level. People are always going to undervalue the older guys who do that and, you know, you'll you'll get waiver fines or, or whatever, but it's the ones that carry the great ratios and the uh, high strikeout stuff that are super hard to find. And to me, I spend all of my effort mining which ones are going to be the next versions of those truly special players. And, um, you know, that's why I, I, I do go so prospect heavy. And the old adage of there is no such thing as a pitching prospect, um, you know, I, I like to goof around and say it, but it's really just not very accurate at all. Um, because when you look at most of the best pitchers in baseball, um, a lot of them were pretty highly touted prospects. Uh, there are some exceptions like Jacob deGrom and, and things like that, but you know, by the time Jacob deGrom was uh, reaching the high minors, we kind of saw a lot of the things that he started to do now as well. And uh, overall, you know, I, I try and get a young ace. I did make a huge trade in a 24-teamer that we're both in together. Keaton, I actually traded Mookie Betts to get uh, Shane Bieber. There were some other pieces in that deal, but... You know, I traded for Shane Bieber after his second start this year. And, and for me, it was just harder to find a Shane Bieber than it was to replace the production of Mookie Betts. And I think the deeper your format gets, the more important a young ace becomes. Totally agree with that. Uh, Shelly, you want to talk about your philosophy in building a, a fantasy pitching staff? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it, it really kind of, like varies it kind of depends on like how i if i'm in a startup it kind of depends on like am i going for it this year or am i going for it like two or three years out um if i'm going for it all you know for this year i i don't mind rostering kind of like some of the the older guys um but if i'm going like two three years out um i i do um uh, try to focus on some of the younger aces and I, I, I kind of play uh, I typically do dynasties uh, a, t a tad bit different because um, I actually try maybe maybe not try to focus on uh, building up a good staff because I have found that it's like really really hard to find typically it's really hard to find guys on the waiver wire um, that can actually really uh, help you um, so I try to get a good base um, of of pitchers, um, and then kind of focus on my offense. I, again, it it varies on how the draft or the or the auction is going, but I, I I tend to do that because it seems that not a lot of people 
do that. So it's just kind of like um, just playing the game differently than other people. And sometimes you can capitalize um, that way. Um, but that's that's kind of what I do. I try to zig when other people zag. Makes sense. I like it. What do you do, Keaton? Yeah, so mine is also it's kind of similar to Shelly, and it depends on if I'm competing or not, um, and then kind of taking it from there. Um, like one of my pitching staffs in a league that I'm not competing in, uh, 30 teamer. I actually think all three of us are in this league. Um, is Brandon McKay, Brent Honeywell, uh, Jordan Hicks, Alex Reyes. <laughs> like it's all these these young guys that have had the you know the high uh, prospect caliber at one point or another maybe still do um, but also carry a whole bunch of significant risk and my assumption is maybe one or two of them is going to turn out uh, but it doesn't really matter if they do or not because right now I'm not competing um, so I like to have some of those high upside guys that I really like uh, on my team but then if I'm competing. I tend to not rely on them and I tend to try and go out and put effort into getting some of the more reliable olds because week in week out from fantasy, the the best thing that you can get from a pitcher as Jake alluded to is just consistency. And like even those average guys that just constantly are putting up just league league average or slightly better numbers that get overlooked. um, That consistency is really key over the course of an entire season. And you just don't get that from young guys. It just it takes a while for that to sink in unless you've hit on some of like the real special guys. So I tend to miss out on those guys, uh, stash guys that I really like. Uh, hope that one or two of them turns out, but then when I'm competing, rely on um, those average or better pitchers just to, for the the pure consistency of it. So it's it's kind of like a mixture of both of how you guys <laughs> build yours a little bit. What's nice nice little variety there for us. No doubt. Yeah. There's no there's no one way to skin a cat in fantasy. It's very true. Well, that was a good way to end it. That was a fun question to talk about. Um, that is the end of the podcast for us. This has been Dynasty Style, part of the Dynasty Guru website. I've been your host, Keaton Roche. You can find all of us on the Dynasty Guru where we've done uh, various things, roundtables and such. Um, we also write for a whole bunch of other places. So, uh, Jake, what is, uh, I guess you've already kind of hyped up your your uh, rankings there is there anything else you've done past couple weeks yeah um on monday i have uh my starting pitcher rankings for redraft for this upcoming week or uh no tuesday that that's coming out um but definitely check out the september dynasty rankings as you guys all play in dynasty leagues presumably listening to this podcast um and uh five tool fantasy podcast if you're interested in uh more dynasty and redraft content uh and then for for my man jordan um we didn't mention this but alejandro kirk got the call and got his first major league hit yesterday and uh thanks to our boy jordan i am rostering kirk in like every league uh so um i hope that he is celebrating hard in finland right now (laughs) the bowling ball (laughs) Shelly, what have you recently done anywhere here on the internet? <laughs> um, I've been actually kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, I do my MLE of uh, MLE, goodness gracious, MLB uh, debut article over on Picture List. Um, but I'm thinking about doing um, like a going deep piece on uh, our boy uh, Cabrian Hayes. 
um, over there on Pitcher List. So hopefully that comes out uh, next week sometime. And all three of us also contributed in the latest roundtable from TDG, which was a Mortal Kombat of second baseman, young second baseman, uh, who we prefer going forward, Kevin Biggio versus Keston Hiria. And what was interesting about that was we were evenly split right down the middle. We had eight writers respond and four for Biggio, four for Hiria. Uh, I am in the minority on this podcast here, uh, as Jake and Shelly both picked Biggio. Shelly, we missed an opportunity to tell Keaton why he was wrong. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Man. This would have been the podcast to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can also find all of us on Twitter. You can find me at The Spoken Keats. You can find Shelly at ShellyV underscore 643. You can find Jake at DevJake. And I was going to do it. Have an awesome day. Uh, As always, be the best bird dog you can be. I wake up in the bed you made. Where you're supposed to lay with me I smell you on the pillowcase But don't see your face And that's okay with me I never thought I'd see the day I'd see you as somebody I could hate I guess that's just the price I pay for the blood red flags that I walked past every day. Who are you when I'm not looking? You're like an angel sent from hell.
looking, you are someone else.